following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 736 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by your other host, the lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Well, two things, Jesse D. I love two things. Number one, congratulations on crossing 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. A thank you. Very exciting. It is exciting. And... It's a testament to your hard work, your talent, and, and your... And a whole bunch of fucking luck. And luck, <laughs> which which I noticed your subscribers push back on somewhat when you talk a little too much about the luck in their view. I think it's American programming. Yeah, that, that's, that seems that, appropriate. That success is only, or the vast majority of success can be chalked up to... Only to hard work and preparation and um, it's just all that played a role. Absolutely. You have to take advantage of uh, the lucky moments, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) without the lucky moments, there's nothing. I can work your ass off all you want. There's tons of people who put the work in and are talented and do, oh, who know about cameras and shit Mm -hmm. who are on YouTube who likely will never see an audience. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I sidetracked us, but. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really good. It, it really does feel good. I remember just a few years ago having conversations with people about when when I should make my channel subscribers um, public. <laughs> yeah, I remember that conversation. Like, when is it? When? What is this? What, what's a, um, uh, a an acceptable number? Yeah, what's a reputable you know number of subscribers? And I think we landed on like 6,500. I wanted to do it before 10,000. Yeah. But I I kept it silent, quiet, private for a long time Mm -hmm. because I was, you know, faking it till you make it kind of a thing. I don't want anybody to know. (laughs) But of course, if you're not showing how many subscribers you have, it's because you don't have many. (laughs) Like I I don't know. You should just, you should hide them now. You should go (laughs) private with how many subscribers you have now. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, who's this guy? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. The it, second uh, thing good. is that... Oh, yeah. There was a number two. I'm happy that you're still with us. Happy that you're still alive after you survived the near attack from... I Usually I know where they're going with something. I have no idea. Well, Popeye almost attacked you the other day in the yard. Oh. <laughs> because yeah. he couldn't see you. Well, well, let's explain what happened. So... We, we we took Popeye out to do his normal routine of pooping and peeing. Yep. And as the audience well knows, Popeye is named Popeye because only one of his eyes works. So he's he's pretty blind. And the other one, his good eye, it's not really good. It's 
mediocre it's, at best. It's uh, it's holding up the best that it can. Yeah, it, it's doing its best. He's also named Popeye though because he's very tiny in the back, but very heavy in the front. Yeah, yeah. but but the but the eye thing really cinched the deal. Yeah, and then he has a new issue with his eye because right, we're not. This is not like eighty year old lady who just talks about their maladies all the time. We're well, gonna talk about him attacking. No, actually, me. that's exactly what it is, and I'm gonna continue to talk about it because I know that some people hate it, like. Uh, the reviewer of the show, Kathy, who doesn't like how much we talk about our personal lives. But he has a new cyst that has developed on his bad eye, which is contributing to, I think, increased dead eye. In yeah, that eye. maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. So anyway, there was a car across the street that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to go see what that car is. So I'm the weirdo <laughs> who crossed the street. Kind of like, like hands yeah. in my pockets. I'm not being suspicious. And I walk <laughs> behind uh, to see what kind of a, it's like a Toyota Mirai or something. I'd never seen it before. Uh-huh. And then when I come walking back, it was like a house, not directly across the street, but the one next to it, but across the street. So I'm walking back mm-hmm. and Popeye sees this ominous figure Yep, and chests me up, doesn't know it's me because he... Fucking Popeye. You went out of his field of vision and then came back into it and he thought you, you weren't you anymore. I, I was a stranger at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And so he chested up. I started like running toward him. Mm-hmm. He did not cower. No, he ran at you. <laughs> he charged me. He's like, who's this running at me? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we know that that's usually, I mean, he's never bitten or been aggressive at all. Yeah, only but when he goes to the vet. It's, it's, well, that's, you know, they deserve it. <laughs> They're poking and prodding sure. in places that don't deserve to be poked and prodded. Or just trying to provide him necessary health care, whichever you prefer. Eh, well, you know, I'm just looking at it from Popeye's perspective. Yeah. So anyway, he charged me and uh, it was hilarious because <laughs> we've always like, I wonder what he would do if there was an intruder in the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he would charge them. And then. It would be scary. If they said, oh, Popeye, he'd probably, oh, hey, this guy's cool. <laughs> Maybe not, though. Maybe not. But anyway, we're glad that you're still with us. Like, like I said, that you are, uh, you survived unscathed the, the near attack. That's right from Popeye. He's a good boy. He is. So anyway, last episode we talked about Famalex. Mm-hmm. We talked about a moment that happened on the show, which I, I'm going to play. We didn't play it last time. A lot of people reached out and didn't remember the moment. So I think the the Weedly D thing kind of just fell off but this was the moment from a couple shows ago yeah but there's also part of the conversation that's missing where i think people think that you're just getting like free money on unemployment and it's weedily d if if weedily d you say yeah and if We got to get back on track. I should have said it in a more excitable way, but I wasn't (laughs) excited, so I just said it normally. (laughs) A uh, very matter-of-fact, Weedly D. Uh, (laughs) So that led us to an article that was published a couple days later in, I think, The Atlantic, Mm -hmm. that was about Famalex and the different dialects that, that spring up or develop in inside of families and close relationships. The secret language that we share yeah. when we're and, close together. And so we talked about it a little bit. And I love these moments on our show. This is this is what I live for, is when something really resonates and we get a lot of, of voicemails about it. Yeah. So we got several voicemails about this and then several voicemails about the CDC guidelines, which is 
ever-present in everyone's minds right now. So let's, uh, let's hit up some voicemails. Jesse, Brittany, uh, this is James calling from Michigan. Uh, big fan of, uh, of the podcast and, and the YouTube there. Watch it. Uh, been watching it for a good year or so. I, uh, I stopped the, the podcast to call in because I was so excited about your, uh, your, uh, Familex discussion. I have a buddy, Will. We've been friends since high school. We're in our forties now. And we basically just do this for fun. We just make up words for fun. In fact, We've made up an entire drug that doesn't exist and all of the like necessary, like, you know, sort of lingo around it specifically so we can sound like, like either lunatics or extremely cool people significantly cooler than you are. Like, you know, if you overhear our conversation at like a restaurant or, or an elevator. So this is how it goes. The, uh, uh, the drug is called Jupe, which we actually later discovered is actually like the name of like a perfume or something, but we didn't know that. So. <clears throat> So uh, the, the thing's called jupe, and if you have too much of it, you get right out. Um, it comes, uh, you know, you can, you can buy dub sticks. They come like, you know, a handful of dub sticks to the bindo, depends on how much it's, it's, uh, it's going for in the local area. And you best have it a lot because if you don't get it regularly, if you, you know, you go a little overboard, you end up with the inches, and nobody wants that. You end up staring at manhole covers. So um, I mostly wanted to leave this. Because I'm really hoping that you play it on the show, primarily because I'm hoping other people do this. <laughs> because I want a completely fictional drug to exist, um, and all of this like associated lingo. And by all means, add some more. That'd be great. Um, we have a friend actually who made a novel for one of those National Writing Month things, and uh, I think it was like science fiction or something. Actually, I haven't read it, which is sort of embarrassing. But um, yeah, she used all of that lingo. Uh, in in her uh, in her novel, it was something that uh, made me very happy. That's about it. Um, this question was the best part. Thanks. I like uh, the dedication to the craft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really going deep. Yep. For other people's, I was going to say for their sake, but not really. It's really for their sake, confusing other people. <laughs> when I was in high school, Brett number one and I. We're at a restaurant, and mm -hmm. we were in the bathroom, and someone was in the stall taking a pooper. Mm. And uh, without missing a beat that wasn't planned, one of us says to the other, while the guy's pooping in the bathroom, I can't believe we killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we were acting panicked back and forth about what we were going to do because we'd killed the guy. Oh, my God. And then... <laughs> We left the the bathroom, went back to our seats, and then watched to see the guy leave the bathroom. Who and he left and was like looking around. <laughs> what a nightmare! Yeah, we were not great. Uh, but anyway, James, thanks for the call. Uh, I think that's hilarious. I I don't have the energy to. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the energy to go to do something quite. Apparently, that, uh, you do since you're uh, out in public acting like you've murdered people. That was a high school story. Got it. I no longer have that kind of energy. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> hey, hey, Jesse, um, Brittany. Uh, this is Daniel from Dallas. Um, I just listened to your podcast, most recent one that started out with family lex, lex. Language among families. Um, as a Marine, I'm amazed you did not mention um, language among institutions. Because um, closed institutions, such as the Marines or, say, a boarding school, which I went to, they're closed 
societies, essentially, and they develop their own different language. Um, that's somebody who is not inside the society or very closely adjacent to it would just not understand. Um, I mean, everybody who went to my boarding school and has listened to your podcast will automatically know which boarding school I'm talking about, but nobody else will. Um, I went to one of the oldest co-ed boarding schools in the United States, uh, pre-Revolutionary War. Uh, not when I went. That's when it was founded. Um, and we had a term of when a member of one sex crossed over to the dormitory as a member of the opposite sex for, you know, a little something-something. And that term was to shite. Can't find it in any dictionary, can't find it in any urban dictionary. It is just that boarding school's term. So, you know, institutional language is also interesting. But, hey, love your show. Brittany's the best. Take care. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I love that uh, the boarding school to which Daniel attended or uh, uh, Daniel attended is uh, a secret. <laughs> he never mentions it. Well, it's like everyone will know who went there. Well, the important people will know. I think, but uh, I cannot tell you because it is just that elite. Yeah, <laughs> that that must be nice to be a part of. Well, part of the reason I mean I didn't even think to bring up the Marine Corps thing, but and probably is because there's it's like a lot of acronyms and of course there's going to be like even at your work. Mm -hmm. I've had to kind of, you'll use these acronyms and shit. I'm like, for the first couple of months, what is that? What is that? What is that? Now I don't ask anymore because mm -hmm. I don't care. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> wow. no, I've, I've learned what, what they a are. Dick. <laughs> I've learned what they are. Yeah. But if, yeah, I mean, that's. Well, I, and there's, there have been moments where you have been around other former Marines and you guys will be talking and I'll be standing there like I don't understand what's happening right now. I think it's more like, I don't care. Well, <laughs> it's definitely that because I have people who will ask me, oh, what did Jesse do when he was in the Marines? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And they'll mm -hmm. be like, you don't know what he did. I'm like, um, no, but like I could text him and he could tell you <laughs> if you really want to know. I love that it's not a feature of your personality. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's weird when people like treat me like that because I'm like, well, I didn't I didn't marry someone who is a veteran and then become like a Veterans Day person. Yeah, like right, every right. Veterans Day. I'm like, woo, you know, or right, right. you marry a cop and all of a sudden fucking blue lives matter. Yeah. And it's not like I don't think what you did is unimportant. I, it's not that it's just when you talk about it, it's kind of. I don't know. It was a lot. There's a lot going on right. and it's hard to kind of track. And there was like specialized stuff. And I don't know. Now I'm sounding like a dick. No, I, think. I don't think you sound like a dick at all. Well, it's what happens is other people that are former Marines at work will ask me and like want these details. They're like, what's the MOS yeah, or yeah. military you know, occupational specialty? Yeah. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know how to answer that. Like, I don't. It's well, not important for you, too. I'm, I'm decades removed from that. Well, and that's the other part of it, too. Like, we weren't together when you were actively yeah, yeah, going yeah. through it. And so it's it's a little bit different. I think I would know more if that were the case. But 
also, th- like, what's the shower thing? Because this is an example where you were talking to a former Marine about, like, showers. Wasn't there a term? Oh, a PT shower? Yeah, a PT like shower. Like a quick rinse off. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's an example. When was that? What conversation was that? Was Wait, that at that Christmas party a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, at the oh, Christmas okay, party. Yeah. That's only one thing that stands out in my mind where I was sitting there and you're all talking and laughing about these different things. And it, it does. It's kind of like a foreign language when you get I, together and talk I, about stuff. I so rarely, well interact with other marines that it's yeah it's nice occasionally to have it happen because it brings a flood of shit back yeah like i'm sure with with daniel and his secret boarding school <laughs> if he ever hangs out with the, you know this elite group of individuals that yeah. went to this specific super fancy awesome place mm-hmm. they would uh you know regale them like, oh yeah i remember that that's a thing uh, yeah blah, blah, you remember blah, blah. the quidditch guys it was really great <laughs> <laughs> yeah daniel thank you for the call uh, moving on. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. I wanted to call in about Familex because I have an example and it's a micro version of one of my favorite concepts in language. And that is it. Familex is kind of a micro version of an anthropological concept called linguistic diffusion. And linguistic diffusion is the process of evolution that takes place in language where something that is gained by interacting with a different group of people with a different language leads to phrases and words becoming part of the other's language. For example, déjà vu. That's a French phrase, but it's one that we not only understand, but use colloquially with an understood shared meaning. Therefore, despite its French origins, it's part of the English language. And that's kind of what happens with familex and shared meaning. It's just on a micro level as opposed to linguistic diffusion, which is overall on a broader concept. And, of course, one of my favorite examples with me and my partner, it's silly and requires a little bit of explanation, but most of these things do, right? I can't just say wheedly D to just anybody and have them know exactly to what I'm referencing. But, first of all, one of our favorite songs is an 80s protest song from the Australian band Midnight Oil. And the hook of it goes, how can we sleep while the beds are burning? And what we like to do (laughs) is take different words and fill in three of those, kind of like a mini Mad Libs. And another one of the silliest versions of that we have is I'm also from Ohio, and I sometimes listen to games on Ohio radio, and there's a jingle, and those who are from Ohio will recognize it that says, uh, discount drug mart saves you the runaround. And... We took that and memed it within our silly little song parody, and it's, how can we run while the drugs are discount? And that would make no sense to anybody else, but because of our little micro group, it does. And that's X and linguistic diffusion on a tiny, tiny level. And I just think that's really interesting and fascinating. So, weedily D, motherfuckers. See you next time. <laughs> I love that. Marissa took us to school. I I enjoy it. I I think, well, one, you're getting kind of the technical aspect of it, but I was feeling she was really explaining the closeness that can be developed through these type of things. You Mm -hmm. know, it it is kind of like Daniel's super secret uh, boarding school. It's the inside, you know, like when we have inside jokes or inside phrases Mm -hmm. that people might give us the side eye about. I think it strengthens the bond of family with us mm-hmm. or closeness of the relationship. Right. Because we're on the inside 
And fuck all those other people who didn't go to our super secret boarding school. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I thought of another one. We love that video of Kate McKinnon where she, um, the it, SNL sketch. Is it the, sp- uh, oh, uh, Porky Pig in it in a drafty dome. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Well, of course I know what where you're talking about. Where she is, she, it's a, the alien abduction skits. Yeah, it's the. It's the first iteration. The first one with the, the handsome guy. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, yeah. Yes. And it's, it do, we're not talking about the subsequent. Yeah, because they, they couldn't capture. This is what happens with Saturday Night Live. They do something. It it's awesome. They they, they hit gold. There's a magic thing, and then they try to recreate that magic, and then yeah. it never fucking works. Yeah, it's like a sequel to anything almost. But there's a line in there where she says, uh, "Porky Pig in it in a drafty dome." Yeah, she got dropped out of the alien <laughs> spacecraft onto like the roof of a Seven Eleven or something with no pants on. Yeah, and she says she was porking pig in it in a drafty dome. And so we. Kind of like Marissa's example, we will sub in, replace Porky Pig in it, and we'll like put other things that we're doing in a drafty dome. (laughs) So, we definitely do that all the time. Yeah, but that call, she reminded me of that example as well. Weedly D, motherfuckers. (laughs) Weedly D. All right, one more on the Familex. Thank you, Marissa, for the call. We appreciate you very much. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. Um, I'm just calling about. The family left that uh, Brittany and you were discussing in the last episode. And I was trying to think if Hans and my husband and I, Hans, if we do anything. And the only thing I could think of was basically the largest piece of furniture in any room we call the vestibule. I know <laughs> I know a vestibule is not, that's not what a vestibule is. <laughs> but anyway, for some reason, I don't know how we picked that up, but like we just always kind of know. Oh, yeah, I put it, you know, we have this buffet thing. I'll put it in the vestibule. (laughs) Anyway, it's ridiculous. But more often than not, we seem to come to the same conclusion on things or seem to come up with the same idea randomly at the same time. Now, I know there's, there's, I'm sure we're dropping little hints to each other all the time, like little verbal hints or whatever, but it'll be strange. Like, we'll be in the store and both come back with the exact same thing that, like, we both happen to remember at that time that we needed from however long ago. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. Um, anyway, but, I mean, we've been together 21 years, so <laughs> that that kind of happens. We become one mind bold. Okay. <laughs> I love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I love that uh, Carissa followed Marissa, but also Carissa just pretty much openly admitted to being Borg from, uh, that's, you're not going to know, that's like a Star Trek thing. Oh, yeah, yep, definitely not going to get That really did not land. I, by the way, I think the vestibule, I th- I have no really idea, but I don't think it's furniture. That's what's funny about it. I think it's like an entryway or like a foyer. Well, that's what foyer. she said. She oh, said she, that she knows that? it's not that. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I thought she said what it was. Oh, no, no. I, I think that's what it is. I mean, I really have no idea. Just it seems like that's when I think about the word mm-hmm. that it's like a like a fancy foyer, like a foyer, oh. as, as the as the fancy <laughs> Meritage. <ones say. laughs> I think it is actually whatever Carissa wants it to be. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think that's the definition. Just put it in the vestibule. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. We, I really. I don't want to oversell it, but I really enjoy when we strike a nerve with everybody because we have a shared experience. We're all 
We're all human beings. <laughs> I don't think that's a stretch. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we share commonality in this. Yeah. That, you know, when we when we gather one with another, certain trends develop. I feel, getting, like, I feel like you're taking us to church damn. right now. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna I, move on. Can with I say the one more thing? Second half of the calls. Of course, it's your show. So I love that Marissa talked about the song and that you started singing the oh, song. The song because we also had one that was song related. We talked about with "Living on the Edge," and that specifically related yeah, to yeah. poor moments in our life when we would do something that maybe we shouldn't have been doing and put the credit card down and sing. So, you would sing. I would sing, yes. <laughs> to make it fun while you're in crisis. It's always fun to sing. Counting change to put gas in the car. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah, very funny. I'm glad you that I didn't waste my time getting that tiny snippet of audio. And then we just move on <laughs> from that. So yeah. Anyway, well, uh, listen, we're still open to talking about these. If you have some, this has been a good time. Mm-hmm. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. More calls on the CDC guidelines right after this. I Doubt It is an independent podcast supported by listeners like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you find the show informative, entertaining, or both, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choose the contribution level that's right for you. Thank you to our new Patreon supporter, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Shout out to Mr. Anderson. We, no, that's from... I know from the Matrix. All right. Not, I know some nerd things, okay? <laughs> nerd things? Yeah. That movie is not nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very nerd. You know so, they're doing a fourth one. They are? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh, I hadn't heard that. Because you're not into the nerd well, shit. Well, usually I hear all the news and I know everything that's going on. So it's really unusual. Especially that I with know. your favorite movie franchise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you to Mr. Anderson. And do not forget that our Patreon hangout for the month of May is going to be the last Saturday of May, Saturday, May 29th. So make sure you put that on your calendars. The time is going to be 11 a.m. Los Angeles time. Why are you like on the verge of laughing while because talking about I'm this? like put that date on your calendars and didn't say what time it would be happening. But I, everyone should just remember. I just assume everyone has like a cat, a kitten calendar on their wall. All of our listeners. Yeah. Maybe we should make a calendar. Maybe we should do that. That would be important. Like me, like sitting in sexy poses or something, like a fireman calendar. Um, interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Apparently, this is something that's been on your mind, a goal for quite some time. I hate to break it to you, but we got six cases of calendars down in the garage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is how you break it to me that you already did that. Okay. <laughs> Was my reaction what you were hoping? Perfect. Okay. So the last Saturday of every month, Patreon Hangouts, this month for the month of May, May 29th, 11 a.m. Pacific time. We would love to see you there. Weedly fucking D. Also, I did go and get into Photoshop and make Weedly D t-shirts. Mm-hmm. If you want to celebrate Familect with us mm-hmm. and wear a Weedly D t-shirt that is just the definition. I don't know if we put it on the page like we said we would. But. Well, it wasn't. It was also totes. Yeah, there's totes, there's mugs, that's right. There's yep. a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff. There's even a sticker. Yeah. Just a sticker that you can buy from Teespring. 
And uh, we will put the link in the description and on the Facebook page mm-hmm. for you to go peruse what's there. And that's a great way to support the show while getting something other than us in your ear holes in return. Right. All right. Moving on back to the calls. The other thing we've been talking about is the the surprise. I think that's not a misnomer to, to label it a surprise uh, announcement from the CDC that they were dropping mask guidelines for vaccinated people. There's been a lot of consternation. There seems to be developing a a rift between liberals because this is, for some reason, a political thing where there are people who are angry who are not going to give up the mask. There are people who are angry that those people aren't going to give up the mask. And then there's kind of people like us in the middle who... Don't, who, don't care about having to wear the mask. Right. Also, don't care if someone doesn't want to necessarily wear the mask. It's just... It, the CDC really did put us in a in an odd place where how do you verify um, people who, if they're vaccinated, mm-hmm. ultimately it does come down to, like, we're safe, so we're not in danger. If you're right. out there and you're refusing to wear a mask because you're, 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 you're vaccinated, you're not really putting anybody in any danger or yourself, so that's great. Right. But what it does is it gives people who are not vaccinated mm-hmm. the cover to say, oh, I'm vaccinated, walk around and put people who are who are at risk and vulnerable uh, Im- immunocompromised people and such. Right, or people who haven't been able to get the vaccine yet. Yeah, putting them at risk. Mm-hmm. So well, we took a whole bunch of calls. Uh, I, I didn't group these in any, well, I grouped them alphabetically. So there's not like a theme running here relative to... To the opinions. Well, and let me say, in the state of California, our mask mandate is continuing until June 15th. So that's why I said we don't really care about having to wear our masks in stores still because we're still having to do that. When you go to a grocery store here, there's a sign out front. Please wear your mask. Even if you're vaccinated, you still have to do that until the 15th. We did, though, eat out at our eat in at our favorite restaurant here in Orange County, mm-hmm. uh, maskless at the bar, mm-hmm. and felt pretty good. Felt pretty. I mean, it, it, it's a. It takes a little bit of getting used to, and yeah. maybe the alcohol helped a little bit. <laughs> um, but I'm. I'm. I think I'm ready. Like I said before, I don't know that I'll ever fly again ever without wearing a mask. Well, I've seen a lot of people say that, like they have loved the fact that they haven't had a cold yeah. in a year and a half at this point and that that's because they they chalk it up to wearing the mask similar to how there was a pretty much non-existent flu season this year largely because of the masks mm-hmm. and I used to get sick more times than not on airplanes after flying and you're someone who doesn't get sick right but you remember there would be a period where every time we'd fly it and I would get very sick, have a severe yeah, yeah, yeah. cold. So I think I'm going to be someone who wears a mask on planes as well. And not because of some liberal conservative thing. It's just why? Re- I mean, how many of us out there take get on a flight and then after a vacation or after a trip, you got a runny nose or you're full blown sick because mm-hmm. you're flying in a test tube of pestilence <laughs> with people hacking their grossness all over the air. All right. All over the air. All not right. All into the air. We don't need to get into these So specifics. anyway, we're going to continue with these calls. Thank you guys for your contributions. As always, we appreciate you so much. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Ashley from Texas. I was just listening to 735 where you're talking about 
the removal of the mask mandate all and the CDC sudden reversal. And like, here's where I'm confused. So I'm with you. I, I do agree this has gotten like way too politicized and a lot of liberals are wrapped up in like, well, I don't want to be seen as anti-mask and all of that. But what about the science of are we going to need booster shots? How long is this immunity going to last? I mean, I was fortunate enough to get my first shot in January and my second in February, and now I'm pregnant. So, like, am I good until January? Am I good forever? I mean, do I just go with the CDC science of I don't need to wear a mask around all these unvaccinated people now? I'm, like, legit worried about, like, what is my workplace going to do? They've already removed the temperature screening because Texas doesn't think that's necessary anymore. And I'm like, are they going to remove mask mandates? We're not requiring vaccines. I know a bunch of people that we work with are anti-vaccine, anti-mask, all these things, and have been from the get. So I'm a little, I, I don't know, freaked out, worried? Am I overreacting? I, I guess I just, I don't know at this point. And it's not that I don't trust the CDC. It's, it's not necessarily that. I guess I just I, ha- I have some questions, and I, I don't feel like those were all sufficiently answered. And I feel like it was a very quick, oh hey yeah, you don't need to do this masking thing anymore, inside or outside. You don't need to do this social distancing thing anymore if you're vaccinated and you're good. So am I good to like go on a cruise? Am I good to like I don't know, just do anything I want? I'm just I have questions, guys, and I'm confused, and I feel like that was just very quick and shocking and, like, whiplash, and I don't know what to think now. Um, I love you guys. Love the show. Popeye is the best part. Okay. Bye. Goddamn right. Ooh, Ashley giving Popeye some praise. I love that. Um, Not even awake yet. 9.05 a.m., not away. You know what? That's your. That's a great point. Not well deserved. Does not get a shout out. He's doing nothing to contribute to the show right now. Dirty, filthy, lazy prick. Yeah, moocher. In fact, yes. He just. We got a vet bill for him yesterday, and he's sleeping on the job. Not even putting any effort in. There's dishes to be done. Yeah. So, <laughs> I I think this is completely reasonable, and this is what we were talking about last time with questions that people have of the CDC. That are reasonable. There's a lot of liberals that we see. And it's always funny to talk about liberals because I feel like I'm like reading that cover of an Ann Coulter book where she's like, how to talk to liberals. Um, <laughs> is that is that a real? That sounds like a real Ann Coulter book. Yeah, I think it is. So <laughs> for a visual, you waved your hand off very dismissively. Well, who cares? Just like, about that. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a group on Facebook called Safe Places OC that in the beginning of... Safe Places Orange County. It's a local group. Yeah. Safe Places the OC. <laughs> and it's, like a, it's a bad TV show. In the beginning of the pandemic, it was very useful because they were highlighting businesses, restaurants that were not following the guidelines... And that we're seemingly not taking it serious. Right. And so through that, we were able to identify a lot of places that will never go again. And that was really useful in the beginning. But now what you're seeing is the people in that group are 
very terrified. And even though they're vaccinated, saying, I'm still not going anywhere. I can't trust that people are um, vaccinated when they don't have their mask yeah, on in yeah. public. I'm very afraid. It's like they created this in-group where they fueled each other's paranoia, uh, fear, anxiety. Maybe not paranoia, but but certainly negative emotion. They've they're they're they're. It seems to me they're ginning themselves up into whipping themselves up into a frenzy mm-hmm. uh, uh, surrounding this topic because of this insular um, in group mm-hmm. that they've created. And it's it's hard for me to separate what is the in group part of it and what is the trauma response part of it. And I mm. feel like both of those are key pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, but I don't know that they have to be separate. They 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 share in this trauma. Therefore, they're they've created an in group. No, definitely. I'm yeah. saying I don't know how much the trauma response is playing a role in that versus the tribal aspect of it. I don't know which is which is stronger. To 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 answer an element. And by the way, just as a as a, a disclaimer, we're not doctors. We're not giving medical advice. I don't know why I feel compelled to say that, but I can only speak as how I understand it and how I would behave. Right. But to answer. Uh, surrounding that and Ashley's question, um, fuck. and I lost my fucking train of thought with my disclaimer. So anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Well, one of Ashley's professional broadcaster here. One of Ashley's concerns was how long does the immunity from the COVID-19 vaccine last? And that is still an unanswered question. I think I've seen some estimates given your pro- proclamation that we're not doctors uh, or medical professionals, <laughs> some estimates that it can last six months to a year or more. So I, I read an article the other day that Pfizer is actively right now in the process of developing uh, boosters and also supplement. I guess it's a supplemental would be a booster, but other types of treatments that will prolong or, or even supersede the immunity response that's given by the vaccine. So mm-hmm. It's not like they're being reactive. I think the the pharmaceutical companies, because look, d- the cash is king. They're going to make a billions and billions of dollars off this. They're being proactive to develop to develop things, knowing what they know uh, from the data they've they've collected. Mm-hmm. So, which is reassuring. Yeah. The other thing is, like, as far as um, going on a cruise and all that, I, I, I the 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 data show that. If you are vaccinated, there is astronomically small risk of you getting the the, the coronavirus. Also, astronomically small uh, chances of you transmitting it. Also, if you do get it, the risk of developing a severe case of it to yeah. the point where you need to be hospitalized. It would be like a cold. Yes. Yeah. So that's also something to keep in mind. So, yeah, I think travel... Mm-hmm is one of the instances that is kind of okay now. Mm-hmm. So I would say that relative to and directly um, responding to the anxiety that you feel, uh, Ashley, it's you're safe. And I know that we're in a habit because we've had to worry about what we touched and then our faces and the masks and having hand sanitizer, portable little personal delivery devices of hand sanitizer with us. I don't know if everybody's done that, but we've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, we're going to have to start, you, and this isn't, I don't mean this is to be a dick, but we have to, because I've had to think about things with myself, that we have to start using our brains um, in a directive manner. Like, don't let your heart and your emotions and your muscle memory, so to speak, take over 
that this is the way I've behaved over the course of the last more than one year. I need to continue acting that way. And like, okay, I'm safe. I'm not giving it to anybody else. I'm not getting it. Maybe a different form of behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think Ashley said something about not wanting, she doesn't want to be seen as an anti-masker. For me, for me, I don't care about being seen as an anti-masker. I don't want to cause someone undue anxiety right. who doesn't know right. that I have taken this pandemic exceedingly seriously right. and that I'm vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, it's not a, I'm vaccinated, fuck all y'all. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, fuck, I, you don't know me. Right. And why would I want to cause someone harm? Why would I want to cause someone anxiety that, that just it's it's a dick move especially for the people who are just anxious about moving back to normal yeah, give those people space and time to fucking process man yeah and it's strange to me to see some liberals responding in a way that is almost like a conservative mentality of kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it bro yeah and move, yeah. move on when like you said Americans have spent over a year being afraid of the air and being afraid of touching surfaces. And they have a lot of people have been making it through this time successfully going to work, paying their bills, keeping their family together, staying alive. And now that things are returning to normal, it's kind of this moment of, oh, my God. I've been kind of running yeah. on adrenaline this whole time, and now I can relax. Pretty, yeah. And this can be a time where trauma enters the equation and anxiety starts to increase, depression starts to increase. And there's a really great article by my favorite science writer, Ed Yong, in The Atlantic, What Happens When Americans Can Finally Exhale? The Pandemic's Mental Wounds Are Still Wide Open. And if anyone is interested in the mental toll, I would recommend this article especially if you're interested in trauma, especially if you are interested in how to be compassionate toward the people who are struggling to we return all, to normal. We all should be interested in that. We all should be interested in that. And I also think of Brett number two, who wrote us that really powerful email about us using the phrase, we can't get back, we, we can't wait to get back to normal, who reminded us that a lot of people will not be able to get back to normal because they have lost family members. Yeah. They have lost friends. Some are dealing with long haul COVID where the symptoms are have changed their life completely. So it's important to remember that as well in the eagerness to quote unquote return back to normal. Yeah. Listen, you can, if you made it through and like we are unscathed, I have countless family members mm -hmm. countless only because i don't want to sit here and count them because it's more than more than my fingers right family members who got coronavirus i don't think we lost anybody but even my daughter who had just gotten out of chemo mm -hmm. got the coronavirus yeah. so um give people some space man i mean if 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 we as a, as, a, as an audience as a community if we pride ourselves on compassion and patience well, at least compassion. Mm -hmm. I'm not the most patient person. But why cause someone undue harm? Anxiety is harm. Just fucking chill out. If you, you need to slap a mask on your face for another couple months, 
It's a fucking mask. Calm down. Put it on. Well, and we also recognize in California, things are different for us. The mask mandate is not a thing in most states, I think, well, right Certainly now. Texas. Jesus fucking Christ. What a nightmare to live in Texas. So for California, it's... The mask mandate is in place until June fifteenth. So we're speaking from a place of yeah, we have about an, we have about another month of the mask mandate. Other places do not. That's true. I, I'm for sure California centric in the what, what I'm talking about right now. Right. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in a in a position. Um, like if you're out at a grocery store in Texas and you're the only one with the mask, it seems senseless if you're vaccinated to to keep wearing that mask because for sure. you're not causing anybody anxiety. Right. I'm just talking right. from. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Right now it's... Really motherfuckers. <laughs> right now it's still the norm here. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. Actually, thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Brandon from Kentucky. And I just want to call about the CDC's mask policy change. And the way people are reacting with with this change itself with, at where I work. I work in a factory, and, and we have had a mask policy ever since the CDC suggested it. Good on my work. And now they are changing the policy to where if you are vaccinated, you can be without a mask. And in order to you, in order to do this, you have to sign up for it, show proof that you have a card and everything. There are people that are so offended by this that they are comparing themselves to the Jews in World War II. And to me, that is just absolutely ridiculous i don't see how they can make that that parallel in any way and they are going to extreme lengths to try to make it to where they don't have to wear a mask and not be vaccinated like they are trying to buy fake vaccination cards and stuff like that it's just absolutely ridiculous and i'm just concerned that this honor system that's going to work, that's going to go everywhere else, will not work. And we're going to go back to where we were at the beginning of last year. Well, don't what you think. Bye. So related to the, the honor system, because this is something that comes up too, right? The question of, and Ashley talked about it, how do we know someone is actually vaccinated? Well, this isn't a question that vaccinated people have to worry about. You, yeah. you don't actually need to worry. If, if you are a vaccinated person out in public... And this is according to the CDC guidelines. You do not need to worry if someone is actually vaccinated. The people who need to worry are other unvaccinated people who are out in public with unvaccinated people. So the honor system question, not really something that should be a concern for vaccinated people at this point when they're in public. For you personally. Now, if you're extrapolating that to having anxiety for someone else. Right. I get that. Mm -hmm. But personally, you don't have to worry. Yeah. And listen, there are there there have always been as long as, as as there has been vaccine hesitancy. There's always been assholes out there, dumb people or assholes. I mean, there's really only two camps um, who refuse to get vaccines. There are people out there who will sneeze on their fucking hand and then touch the the bag of chips or the box of whatever at the grocery store. Those people always existed. It's just now it's in our consciousness so so readily because of the fact that we're thinking about it constantly. I mean, the, the there's an element to this that kind of I find interesting because Brittany has always been very germ conscious. 
Yeah. <laughs> very aware of uh, slapping my hands off the handrail of an escalator or, <laughs> you know, you, you're, I mean, we make jokes about germaphobe, but you're not a germaphobe. You're just very aware that everything is connected. That's the joke. That's another familect. <laughs> Everything's connected. Yeah. If you walk in the house with your bathroom shoes, these are words that are spoken <laughs> in the house. If you're walking around in the house with your bath, if you walked into a public bathroom, those are now bathroom shoes. Yep. You walk through the house and then someone else walks where you walked, your bathroom shoe tracks are getting everywhere in the house. And then if someone walks barefoot on your bathroom tracks and then, for example, that barefoot person goes into their bed, well, now that public bathroom is in their bed. That's right. You see, it's all connected. Everything's connected. <laughs> no, so. Very normal. I mean, you're laughing. Everything's fine. It is normal. I'm fucking validating what how you think about things. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, people get people, you're very like embarrassed right now. It's weird. Well, because people get offended by some of my like taking the shoes off in the house concerns. I haven't had a lot of offense about that. I think that's something that's pretty normalized. And one of the things that people get offended about is I don't share drinks. With yeah, other oh yeah, people. people definitely get offended by that. Which and is I, dumb I don't, as fuck. I don't dip in places where people are double dipping. That's absolutely disgusting to me. So people get very offended, especially when they're close to me. Like my my best friend Katie. One time, I had my back turned to her, and we and were she, sharing mozzarella sticks, and I caught her. Mid-double double dipping. Dip. Mid-double dip. And I was horrified that when my back was turned, she was betraying me in that way. Like, yeah. if she doesn't know, it doesn't hurt her. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, it does. And yes, this happened, what, 15 years ago? And I'm still pretty pissed off, Katie. <laughs> so, severe betrayal. But, but yes. Katie, I, who no way listens to the show, by the way. It doesn't... <laughs> Yeah. Not a fucking chance Katie will hear that. Yeah. So it 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 doesn't I think what you were getting at is the germ stuff doesn't prevent me from living my life. No, no, it's not what I was getting at. Oh, okay. I was getting at thank you for just pre- just presuming my point. Uh what I was getting at is that a lot a lot of people have come around to your way of thinking through this pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, validating some of your what some people would call paranoia. Or over concern, it's been like, oh yeah, fucking Britney was right all along. Mm-hmm. Like the guy in the review that we read the other day, yeah, <laughs> who said who thinks she's gonna get sick from standing next to somebody in line at the coffee shop. But yeah, Dick, yes, yeah, fuck yes, yeah. Well, thank you for validating my <laughs> feelings on that. I appreciate it. There are. According to the New York Times, four different types of people who fall into the vaccine hesitancy category. I don't know if you saw this article. It was pretty fascinating. They identified four different groups. One is watchful. They are not getting vaccinated because they're waiting to see what happens next. They're waiting for all of us to turn into zombies, like a <laughs> zombie apocalypse. Glad I didn't get it. There are the cost anxious. They want the vaccine, but they can't afford the time or cost. This one was a little concerning to me because I wonder how much of this is a failure on the part of, I guess, the government to get the word out that vaccinations are free. It's fr- I was going to say I know I got it through the VA, so it was free, Mm -hmm. but they're free, right? For everybody. For everybody, they are free. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, but I understand also can't afford time. That means... For sure. You are struggling to be able to take time off work. Yeah. You can't... Same for voting, so many other things in life. Right. Yeah. Then you have system disruptors. They feel the healthcare system doesn't treat them fairly. 
And then you have what? the COVID skeptics. So they're going to get back at everybody else because they don't feel like the healthcare system treats them fairly? Well, then you have the COVID skeptics and they don't believe the threat. So that's that's probably the group that we have talked about the most when we talk about people who are are anti-vaccine. Uh, so all four of these are dumb fucks except for the people who can't afford it. They're not hesitant. They're just they got they can't afford it. Well, and let's talk about the system disruptors because I know you had a question on that. You're like, who falls into this category? So according to the New York Times, the system disruptors, quote, believe that the healthcare system doesn't treat them fairly. Most but not all members of this group are people of color and they prevail in Washington, D.C., Maryland and Georgia. I think it's important to note the percentage here because the percentage of system disruptors in the United States is actually the smallest percentage out of this whole group. Hmm. Because remember, at the beginning of this whole vaccine hesitancy conversation, there was a lot of focus on people of color, black people who have been mistreated. But but there was a lot of discussion saying this is the group that is really not getting vaccinated. And then we found out that it's actually white evangelical Christians. Right. It's fucking white middle class assholes. Right. And so. Well, let me also say, I'm sorry. Let me say this. We know, listen, you can look around, millions, tens of millions of people are vaccinated now. Maybe a hundred million people. So if something were to ha- were going to happen, wouldn't it have already happened? Wouldn't we already have people with arms sprouting out of their foreheads? I mean, like a Cronenberg, like a Rick and Morty kind of situation. Oh, so wouldn't you're, that you're, already be going on? You're talking about the watchful here? Yeah, it's like, and the... The, you know, the people who are hesitant based on the historic mistreatment of of healthcare in a white supremacy uh, based country on 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 black and brown people, mm-hmm. even like. The, the it's a cross section of people getting vaccinated now, it's not like people were um, singled out to get guinea pigged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, Referring to the watchful, like you said, according to the New York Times, the watchful are, quote, holding out to see what kind of experience their friends or neighbors have with the vaccine before committing themselves. They dominate in Delaware, making up 17 percent of the state's population, as well as 12 percent in Hawaii and Rhode Island. Hmm. And then you have the covid skeptics, which we have talked about the most, and they are common in Arkansas, North Dakota and Nevada. Hmm. And 84% of this group believe that the government is exploiting COVID-19 to control people. God damn. So let's just break down the numbers because we didn't do this. In the United States overall, 8% are watchful, 9% are cost anxious, 4% are system disruptors, and 14% are COVID skeptics. That's a big percentage. Yeah. A big percentage of dummies. Well, we had on the Orange County, what was it? Was he a city council member? Oh, Don Wagner. Yeah. yeah he's uh, the county commissioner. He genuinely asked... Or the county board of supervisors, they call it. He asked a question, and he was completely genuine. He felt it was a legitimate question about... Are there microchips? Right. In the fucking vaccine. Of a medical professional. Yeah. He asked this question. A real elected individual in Orange County, California. Yeah. Absolute, abject, dumb fuckery is what that is. Oh, boy. Anyway, moving on. Another phone call. Thank you, Brandon, for the call. We appreciate you very much. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Dan from California. Uh, Just 
had a thought about uh, you're talking about masks and, and the CDC and now, you know, maybe people on the left are now pushing back against the CDC when they were saying we should listen to them before all that stuff. Um, today, for the first time, I just got back home. Uh, I went out on like an elective thing to do today. I met with one of my, my touring buddies who I haven't seen from work in like a year and a half. And there's a little music store and we went to the little music store and we walked across the street, ate outside at the little cafe. Was super fun. Both of us are vaccinated. The other guys who work in the music store were vaccinated. Uh, we, we were talking about it. And, and, you know, of course, it's smart. They still had a, a, you know, please mask up when you walk in. And totally their prerogative to, to do and all that. But we were just discussing the, like, I realized that I got out of my car and walked into the store and I had a mask in my hand. I still needed to demonstrate that I had one. But I wasn't going to wear it because I'm vaccinated and I didn't walk within 10 feet of anybody. But there is a performative thing that, like, my brain reflexively needs to do to prove that I'm not a right-wing asshole. So what do we do culturally to make it like it's it's time to, you know, it, it seems like, especially if you're vaccinated, it's it's you can start letting the guard off a little bit. You know, you can you can back away from how uptight we've all been about it, you know, the last, you know, 15 months or 13 months, whatever it's been. Uh how do we culturally all get on the same page that like it's time to it's honestly things are kind of going to be what they're going to be but us as you know people who have, have elected to get the vaccine don't have to really concern ourselves with it you know so yeah what, what's the what's the exit strategy I, I do think it's something we need to be talking about and it's it's just it's a confusing thing where you feel attacked from all angles kind of no matter what your opinion on the subject is at this point it's it's very strange Anyways, love the show. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I'm. For me, how I've I've dealt with it is I have to, I have to hip check myself as like in the post office or in the Costco when there's nose noses peek, peeking out or people just wearing their mask as a chin strap. Um, four months ago, mm-hmm. something would be said. Two months ago, even two months ago, <laughs> something would be said to them. Yeah. Uh, there would be a confrontation. Uh, and now I, I check myself and say, nope, that's not what we're doing anymore. Just no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And eventually I won't have to remind myself. It'll just be, right. you know what I mean? Because right. we're in that weird. Uh, Transition phase. Yeah. Inter- intermediate, intermediary. Is that the word? Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not enough coffee. Um, where we're kind of all traversing this weird new territory. Yes, for sure. But I don't look. I don't think it's bad to, to walk across the street without a without a mask on. And Dan's in California, where so the mask mandate is in yeah, place until so, June fifteenth. You know, I'm I'm. It is tough. I I just think our default position as a society should be empathy for others, in an effort to not heighten anxiety in an undue fashion. And so maybe that requires some of these discussions within our own circles of influence with people who may have continuing anxiety, but who are vaccinated of maybe just giving them some education on the fact that they are safe going in public. And I mean, what Dan's question would be perfect for someone who is feeling anxious about the quote unquote return to normal and just kind of engaging them on what they feel like that transition should be. For a lot of people, they're going to struggle 
a lot with how to quote unquote return to normal. And I think if we within our own circles of influence have the conversation with people, that's where we're going to be able to make a difference, I think, and help people feel more comfortable in moving forward. And like Dan said, kind of taking the steps toward these new CDC guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, thank you for the call. Moving on. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Josh from Wisconsin. Uh, Listening to the most recent episode, wanted to touch on a couple of things. Uh, first thing, I actually wanted to thank you and Brittany for, actually, I'll just say it, I wanted to thank Jesse and Brittany, <laughs> say it a little better, for being such fierce advocates for immunocompromised and immunosuppressed people. Since my son is actually immunosuppressed, he's at four months old, he had to get a liver transplant, and he's on immunosuppressants probably for the rest of his life. And... I also wanted to thank Brittany for her generous comment when she, I was visiting my son last week. I posted it on the page, and she actually replied and said, enjoy my time with my son. That was a very gracious comment, Brittany, so thank you very much. Um, my immunosuppressed son just yesterday got his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Nice. And it's, I'm telling you, the relief I feel from it is just, unbelievable i've been fearing for the last year and a half for this kid's life so it's it's a huge weight off my shoulders and thank god for the scientists thank god for everything that finally brings it to an end i hope and so thank you too for being such fierce advocates on behalf of immunocompromised individuals and I also wanted to touch on the subject of Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, specifically the issue that Marjorie Taylor Greene accosted Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm going to do a dick move, and we're going to I'm going to hold over that call until next episode. Okay. Because this we've got another one that's a Marjorie Taylor Greene call. Sean from Florida uh, will save it for next time because mm-hmm. this is. We're already over an hour. It's turned into a listener extravaganza. It, that. It's a listener extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of looked at each other awkwardly. I for love those the, of you who. Well, you know, we will. The juxtaposition of excitement to dead air. We very much appreciate the kind words. And. I can hear the relief in your voice now that your son has the first dose of vaccine. And I think it's important for more people to hear stories like this because there's been so much of this attitude that you don't need to worry about it. It, It's only going to hurt these people. And when you hear people talk like that, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, it's like, oh, Trump people, ah, fuck them. It's only going to affect these people. Like, what What are you, do you know what you're saying? Yeah, well, well, it's also wrong. Even if it were just the assholes who are, who are, have not taken this seriously and put their neighbors in danger over the course of the last over one year, it, even, it, but it's not them. It is immunocompromised people who cannot get the vaccine or people who have to be on immunosuppressive drugs. It is... You know, like my daughter mm-hmm. going through chemo. Mm-hmm. It was a big concern. I remember there were moments where she wanted, she was just trapped in the house mm-hmm. at, at, at Brett and Lisa's and couldn't, wanted to go to Target, wanted to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm so, look, I know you're miserable, but no, we're not going anywhere. You're fucking here. Yeah. We can go to Target, 
I'll go in. You're staying in the car. It's it's yeah. a bummer. So you know, uh, John, I, I I feel for you. Um, it's the light at the end of the tunnel is an emotional thing, right? Even you know, I I was teary for both of my vaccines, mm-hmm. more so for the first, mm-hmm. because it really is. I didn't realize how much I keep using the word anxiety, but anxiety isn't a thing that I register usually. I'm kind of either aloof or dumb or something that doesn't have, doesn't happen. <laughs> But I re- really recognize kind of that low-grade burning anxiety that's been taking place over the course of the, the pandemic that I didn't really recognize until I got the vaccine. Right. So, we are with you, John. We are with you. All right. Moving on. Hey, guys. My name is Mario. I'm from a suburb in Detroit, Michigan, and just listened to your show talking about the new CDC man- uh, guideline uh, for not wearing masks for vaccinated people. I've been having this argument, not argument, I've been having this discussion with my friends and family all weekend, now Monday. And first thing, it is not a mandate. It is a guideline. And the head of the CDC, I can't remember her name, uh, she was on Meet the Press and she reiterated that she promised the American people that when the science showed that uh, vaccinated people or anyone could safely you know, go about and make their own choice without a mask, she would. And so that's what she did. And she reiterated this is a personal choice. It is not a mandate. Still, states will need to make their own assessments. That's why they didn't put any, uh, what do you call it, uh, benchmarks to reach, because it's just for personal, uh, you know, uh, responsibility, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, and then also, uh I see this as like, you know, people who are vaccinated, who believe the science, they finally are getting a reward because I'm almost about to get my second shot. I get it in two days and I'm going to wait the two weeks and then I'm going to be so happy to not have to wear a mask. But I'm with Jesse and uh, Brittany on this that I'm still going to do it to make people comfortable because I respect other people. I just respect them, and I wanted people to respect me, and so this is why I've been wearing the mask the whole time, listening to the science and all of that. But it's a survival of the fittest thing because it is a personal responsibility. So if someone who is not vaccinated wants to make the choice to not wear a mask and go out with people who are vaccinated and risk getting the virus just like before, that is on them. I have done everything that I personally can to make sure that they are safe, to make sure my family is safe, to make sure my friends are safe because I am vaccinated and now I can highly uh, highly unlikely transmit it or catch it unless I'm showing some symptoms and then, of course, I have a quarantine. But I think this is great. I think this is absolutely awesome. And businesses still have the choice to enforce people wearing masks, which they have the right to do. But this is a personal choice. And we all have the right to make that. And the head of the CDC said that she would let us know when we could. That's it. Uh, I wonder if this will make it on the air. If not, my first time calling. Love you guys. So uh, I agree with all that except for this. And maybe this is a little tribalistic of me. I, I don't know. Here we go. But if I'm... I would make the choice not to be with someone who was unvaccinated and unmasked in public. I would feel complicit. Hmm. Because... If they do get it, Mario, for Michigan, uh, they could then 
be asymptomatic and spread it to someone like John's son or like, well, my daughter's now vaccinated, but, uh, or someone who cannot be vaccinated. So I'm not going to be um, part of spreading and possibly killing another person. Maybe that I'm trying to, or maybe I'm um, inadvertently fueling, you know, teaming up and siding and not having people in your life who are, who are not vaccinated, but I'm not saying that, but I certainly wouldn't be out in a group with someone who's not vaccinated. No fucking way. And, and unmasked. No way. Do you mean someone who's not vaccinated and unmasked through, through their own choice? Yes. Well, they would know if they're unvaccinated and that they don't have a mask. No, what I'm saying is there's some people who like can't get vaccinated. Well, then they better fucking wear a mask. Yeah. 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 I mean that for sure. So, it is about personal choice. It for sure it is a personal responsibility and all of that. Those buzzwords make me uncomfortable, but um, we have to, we, we need to be proactive about checking our friends or those in our lives and saying, no, you need to, you need to do it. And if you're not going to do it, I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to hang out with you in public and be um, part of you possibly spreading it to somebody else. Anyway. My two cents. Thanks for the call, Mario. We appreciate it very much. Moving on. Hey, Brittany and Jesse. It's Noah. Um, I just sent you guys a message, but I felt like I was a little bit unclear in the thing that said, so I just kind of wanted to redo it. Um, in episode 735, you guys were asking why the unhinged Facebook liberals were questioning the CDC <laughs> oh under God. Biden instead of under Trump. We sound like Joe Rogan and or something. I saw a tweet the other day that kind of gave me some insight as to why they might be doing things like this. The tweet said, quote, you will never ever be able to convince me that the sudden capitulation of CDC leading to the quote, mission accomplished announcements everywhere has nothing to do with poverty wage jobs needing their workers. And I mean, I think that's a good point that they're making. However, I agree with you guys that it is very odd and very sad that the liberals who were saying to trust the CDC under Trump are now being so conspiratorial. However, I do think there is some sort of credence that needs to be given to that argument um, because companies have been expressing a lot of concerns about worker shortages. And so I do think that the CDC guidelines now of saying that people don't need to wear a mask does have an, will have an effect on business ultimately whether or not that was the impetus for them to make that announcement. I don't think it was, but I do think there is something to that concern that they're voicing. And I also think that under Trump, the CDC was the guidelines that they were issuing did seem very precautionary. Whereas now under Biden, because people are so concerned, it does seem like the CDC is not thinking about the safety at least in their minds, not look, thinking about the safety of them and others, whereas under Trump, the CDC did seem very skeptical about issuing any mandates that other than stay six feet apart and stay masked. It was never, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, even when they were saying don't wear a mask or you don't need to wear a mask, they weren't advocating for not wearing one. They just said it wasn't necessary. So it wasn't as bold of it wasn't as bold of a mandate as just saying oh don't worry about it everything's fine like they were still saying be cautionary wash your hands be safe 
under Trump. So I think that's probably what led to their mistrust now. Anyway, I'd love to know what you guys think. So I think what happens a lot of times with people, especially related to science and things that are complex, is we we are simple people, humans. We are simple creatures, and we seek clear-cut black and white answers. And that cannot be provided oftentimes. And in the early days of this, the CDC didn't know a fucking thing. There was there there were no data to reference. But here we are over a year later, and there's all kinds of studies, all kinds of information to look at to be able to make these kinds of decisions. So I think that the CDC, what other than the 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 mandate, the mask thing where they said you don't need to, they were very cautious in the beginning. And now it's seeming like they're less cautious, but it's not less cautious. It's they have more information to base their decisions upon. Well, and it certainly seems like a slippery slippery slope. That's a slippery saying. (laughs) To accuse this particular announcement from the CDC of being politically motivated because where, where does that end? I mean, how, so how many of the CDC announcements are politically motivated and how many are not? Right. I mean, also, there's no information. That's just a wild stab-in-the-dark speculation. And I will say, could the CDC have done a better job of highlighting the risk that this poses to unvaccinated people? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they could have, yes. They also could have done this in stages over the course of two weeks, even. Right. Or announce that they're getting ready to make an announcement after they've looked at different features or whatever and then done it. I mean, the PR side of it was certainly bungled. Yeah, definitely. And I I think jumping to a political motivation is not based on evidence and seems to be quite a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Noah. We appreciate it. All right. Last call. Kelly in Georgia. Hi, Jesse, Brittany, and Popeye. This is Kelly from Atlanta. I am going through quite a bit right now. I'm feeling a little isolated. All the friends that I have had, well, most of my friends have scoffed at me for being fully vaccinated back in March, and I've had to just ghost them. It's even created a strain with the relationship with my father, because he's a Trumplican, and he's 73 years old and will not get the vaccine. I just, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand these people. I mean, these are people I've known for 30 plus years. And they're just, they're being ridiculously stupid about the vaccine and just scoffing at me for being fully vaccinated. I don't get it. I find myself being more and more isolated and alone. Um, I'm just, I'm glad you do what you do. I enjoy your podcast every week. Actually, I look forward to it. I work for a big pharmaceutical company or a big pharmacy uh, that that rhymes with PBS. Um, but <laughs> anyway, thank you. Love you both. And you all are the best part. Thank you. Bye. Well, awesome to hear from you, Kelly. We very much appreciate your voice memo. And I 
it's so tough when you have... By the way, I love Rite Aid, the pharmacy she works for. (laughs) (laughs) It's so tough when you have people in your life that you've known for a long time that are not seeing the facts for what they are. And there's there's a lot of fear out there, like we've been talking about. Fear, I think, has been kind of a theme that we keep coming back to related to the the return to normal. And I I really feel for Kelly, particularly with the isolation, because I've seen so much of that in my work as a therapist over the past year and a half. I keep saying year and a half. It's been a year and, what, three months? A year and... Close uh, enough. It's a year and a half-ish, right? Are you that dedicated to accuracy that... It really needs to be accurate. <laughs> I've seen it a lot in my work as a therapist and uh, particularly within the recovery community. It was nice to see how quickly self-help recovery meetings went online. They figured it out pretty quick, fucking quick. They did. Because necessity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because community is so important for people who are recovering from addiction And it's important for other struggles as well. I mean, knowing that you have social supports who can lend an ear when you're struggling or step in and help you when you're you're feeling down. And I really hear it in Kelly's voice that that she's really struggling right now. So I would love to hear from listeners who are maybe in a similar situation as Kelly have felt increased isolation during this time, how they coped with that, how they coped with long term family members not understanding what they're going through and maybe even having to disconnect from them at this time. And I would also like for Kelly to join the Dollamore listener group on Facebook so that she can kind of find a community of people there who understand and... And who are, for the most part, not fucking dickholes to each other. <laughs> goddamn group sometimes. So if, if Kelly, if you are on Facebook, it's the Dollamore listener group. You can just search for that. And it's a, a private group that you can request to join. And it's listener run. So it, it's a community of listeners of the show that you can connect yeah. with. And that may be something beneficial where you, where you can just bounce ideas off of other people. But I want to hear from the listeners on it in terms of the isolation and, and what they might say to Kelly to offer some support. Absolutely. Kelly, thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Sean, we'll hear from you next week and the, in the, the last half of John's call. Uh, listen, we, we love you guys. We also, I want to say, Lindy wrote us and we're going to read that email next time as well. Perfect. Um, we appreciate th- these these episodes. Uh, I love them. I love when it's just all calls. I, I know we couldn't do this every single time um, because talking about the headlines and, and about news and stuff is what s- sparks the calls. Right. But they're enjoyable. I love the community that is built up around the, the, the show. Mm-hmm. We say that a lot, but it, it gets no less true. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's it, it's part and parcel with with um, three hundred thousand subscribers on on YouTube. Right, it's a big deal. It makes us makes us happy for sure. And speaking of YouTube, we are about to have some stuff finalized so that when we do the podcast for YouTube, they will have nice special effects. For different segments. I think they're called motion graphics. Yeah. It's not special. George, yeah, it's gonna be George all Romero. George Romero is coming in here. and George Romero? What, who is that? Is that not his name? Who Who are you talking about? The zombie guy. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, I guess. I don't. Probably. You're probably. 
you grew up with your parents being weirdos, making you watch fucking zombie movies and shit. So yeah, he's the zombie. You had All me right. totally questioning my reality. I was like, is that not the guy? <laughs> Anyway, we, we had some motion graphics made. We're waiting on that. And then we're going to, not every episode, but far more regularly, uh, for sure once a month, maybe twice a month, put them on YouTube where you can see my dumb fucking face and Brittany's beautiful mug on the, uh, on the YouTube while we do the show. Yeah. Good times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. We would, we would love to invite you to support and help produce the show by going to Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast is the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. Taking us to church again. No man cometh unto the <laughs> podcast but by Patreon. Oh, wow. It is a good time. I'm uncomfortable. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you also. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone. Or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.